Golden Calf. Recording in progress. Let us jump right in. First thing to note is that the first section of this Parsha, of this uh, Parsha of the Kisisa, Parsha named Kisisa, the first uh, of the seven aliyahs is very long. And the reason for that is we're trying to keep the story of the golden calf, which occurs in the second aliyah. So this is really yesterday's, Monday's reading. We want that to be the second reading because we want a Levite to be honored with the story of the golden calf. Now, why would you want to honor the Levites with such a story? It's an embarrassing story. The answer is that the Levites were the only ones who did not participate in the golden calf. The women also did not. But from the tribes, from the tribes, from the men, the only tribe that did not participate is that of the Levites. So we want a Levite who gets traditionally gets the second aliyah. We want him to get this aliyah because he, it was not something that he was involved in. So it's better to give it to him. So that's just the first thing to point out right off the bat. And now we will go to the story itself. Verse 1, chapter 32. The people saw that Moshe was tarrying. He was late. You say, one big deal. He was late. It's Jewish time. They took this very seriously. We'll see in Rashi more detail of why they took it so seriously and so drastically. But he was late. Boshesh. From come, to come down from the mountain. He had told them he's coming in 40 days. It's going to be the 40 days, 40 nights. I'll be right back. 40 days later, they're waiting for Moshe. They don't see him. So what do they do? They gather upon Aharon, Moses' brother. And they say to him, Arise, make for us gods that they will go before us, that will walk before us, that will lead us. This man, Moses, who took us out of Egypt, in other words, who was leading us before, we don't know what happened to him. He's gone. Rashi tells us that the whole mistake was based on a miscommunication. They thought that they are going to count as the first of the 40 days, the day that Moshe went up on the mountain. And really, Moshe did not intend that that day should be counted. He intended that they start only for, they have 40 whole days, and that, not, that day that he went up would, would not have been a whole day, a complete day. Therefore, they were one day off. He was supposed to come down on the 17th of Tammuz, which, and he did, but they had already built the golden calf, and he breaks the Luchot on the 17th of Tammuz. But if you think about it, that was the day that he was supposed to come down and give them the Ten Commandments, give them the tablets. On the 17th of Tammuz, that ends up being a day of fasting for our people because of the great tragedy and other tragedies happened in the future because of that. But we, we, we can glean from this that this day is actually a very special day because it was the day intended for him to bring the Luchot onto this world. And so we know when Mashiach comes, all of these sad days, these tragic days will be transformed into happy days. But that was the error. The error was that they thought they would, that they should count the first day that he went up, and really they should not have counted that day. So they were one day early. So just one day that he didn't show up already, they're rushing to make a golden calf. Doesn't seem to make sense. Says Rashi. Gives us a little midrash. On the 16th 
of Sivan, that was the day that they made the golden calf. The 16th, I'm sorry, the 16th of Tammuz. So what happened on that day is that the, the Satan, the angel in charge of making trouble, he came and he created confusion in the world, and he showed an image of darkness and confusion and as a, a, a vision that showed and a vision that made the gave the impression to the people that certainly Moshe has died. What is this great, terrible darkness in the world? It must mean that Moses has passed away, and that's why there's great darkness in the world. And furthermore, besides creating an atmosphere that made it seem obvious that Moses must have died, what else could create this kind of darkness? He also told them straight out, Mate Moshe, Moshe has died. And the and the and the um, and the proof is it's already six hours into the day, Viloba, and he hasn't come, so it must be he's not coming. And Rashi says, as it says in Tractate Shabbat, page eighty nine, meaning go look over there if you want to see more details. But of course, this is also Rashi is also co- um, commenting on this word boshesh, which we said means he's late. It also has the connotation of boshesh. The sixth hour has already come. And he hasn't come down from the mountain. Rashi further tells us that they wanted many gods, because they use the plural, that they will go before us. And the next part where it says, this man Moses, we know that whenever it says the word zeh, this, this is something that you can point at. So where Rashi often you know, demonstrates how that is in the verse. So what does it mean in this verse? Zeh Moshe'ish, what are we pointing at? So Rashi tells us that there was an image of Moshe that the Satan showed them. He showed them an image of Moshe being carried ba'avir in the ear of the heavens, uh, resembling Moshe being carried as if in a, in a coffin, as if, he's, as if he's dead. And that's why he uses this expression, zeh, zeh Moshe, they're pointing at him, this image of Moshe, and they're saying, look, he's gone. So they, again, as we read, they came to Aharon. He was the next in charge, Moshe's brother. And they say to him, and they say to him, let's make these gods. So what does Aaron do? Aaron says to them, remove the golden earrings, Nizme Hazahav, that is in the ears of your wives. Go to your wives and, and get their earrings. Your children, your son's earrings, your daughter's earrings, and bring them to me. We'll see what we can do. Now, what was Aharon really thinking? Says Rashi, Aaron said to himself in his heart, the women and the children, they're not going to give up their tachshitim, their jewelry so fast. It's very precious to them. So he was trying to postpone, postpone the people, hoping that they would have some trouble getting the jewelry from their family. And in the meantime, while the men are arguing with their families about giving them the jewelry, Moshe will arrive and everything will be fine. So he tried to, to push off the, the, what was happening. But that did not work. Why? Because they didn't wait to try to get it from their wives and their children. They removed their own jewelry, something that Aaron didn't suspect that they would be so zealous and so excited to make this golden calf he didn't even suspect that they would give their own jewelry, but that's what they did. Gimel, 
The people stripped themselves of the golden earrings that were on their ears, their own ears, as Rashi told us. And they brought it to Aharon. Brought them to Aharon. Verse 4, He took it from them, from their hands. He fashioned it with an engraving tool. And he made it into a molten calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel. That took you out of Egypt. Rashi gives us a backstory and says, How exactly did he make a golden calf out of this? Rashi says they threw it the, the gold into a, a crucible of fire. And the magicians of the Erev Rav, this was a, the multitude that came out from Egypt, they, through their witchcraft, turned it into a golden calf. And some say this was Micha, who came out from the building where they would, they would kill the, the Jewish children. And he had the name of God. And he had the plate upon which Moshe had written, Alei Shur, arise, O ox. Alei Shur, arise, O ox. In order to, to get the coffin of Yosef, which was down at the bottom of the Nile. And he used this plate with these special words, Alei Shur, arise, O ox, because Yosef is the ox, as father called him the ox. And so this plate, which was used to get Yosef out, Yosef's bones from, from the... From the from the depths of the Nile, Micha used this and threw it into the fire, which also, he says, Alei Shor, arise, O ox. And so the, the calf comes out through this. What Rashi, one thing we're getting from Rashi is very different than the simple reading, which seems like Aharon was, was complicit in this whole thing. And it sounds like he created it, he built it. But Rashi gives us the backstory. In fact, he was trying to postpone it and it comes about through Micha throwing the, um, the special plate into the fire. Now Rashi also points out that they said, these are your gods. Who is saying these are you? Why are they saying your gods? Why don't they say this is our gods? From here we derive that this was the multitude that came out from Egypt. They were the ones who ganged up on Aharon. They are the ones who made the calf. And it was they who caused the Israelites to stray after it. And he builds an altar in front of it. And Aaron calls out and says, A holiday for God tomorrow. So two important things. He says a holiday for God. Not to this idol, which they kept calling Elokeinu, Elokeicha, Elohecha, Eloheinu. And secondly, he says tomorrow. Why doesn't he say today? Let's see what Rashi says. Aaron sees that this thing is alive. It has a spirit of life. As it says in Psalms, he sees that the act of, the, of Satan had succeeded. So he did not have words to stall them completely from worshipping the golden calf. Yeah, what, what am I going to say? This thing is, is a walking and talking. 
at least walking. So he, he builds an altar, not because he actually wants to work, any sacrifices to be offered here, but rather to stall them, to push them off. And therefore he says, a holiday for God tomorrow, not today, again, hoping that Moshe will come back in time before they worship it. That's the simple meaning of, Rashi says, Vayar Aharon. What does it mean, an Aharon saw? So, first Rashi's interpretation is that he saw that it was alive. And the fact that it was alive, that made it very hard for him to fight with the people about it. But now Rashi gives us a medrash. And he says like this. Aharon saw many things. Not just one thing. He saw that a man named Chur, who was the son of his sister. His sister is Miriam. Famous Miriam. She had a son named Chur. And Chur was rebuking the people and saying... What are you guys doing? Are you crazy? You're making an idol. We just heard, do not worship idols 40 days ago from God himself. And so he's rebuking the people and saying, you can't do this. This is ridiculous. What did they do? They canceled him. Back in the day when they wanted to cancel people, they didn't uh, remove you from the show. They just, they killed him. That was the ancient way of canceling. So Aaron was canceled. By de- I'm sorry, but Chur was cancelled by death because he was saying something that was unpopular. Okay, this is very interesting. It's a, it's a little bit of Hebrew, but we actually had this in our in our uh, meditation class that the word for understanding and the word for building is the same. So it says that he he built an altar. He built an altar. The not, uh, Midrashic way of, of reading it is Vayiven, he understood, like the word Bina, which means understand. He understood Mizavach from the, from the one who was slaughtered in front of him. Who was slaughtered? His nephew, Chur. Vayiven Mizavuach Lefanov. He understood, he saw the writing on the wall from that which was, was in front of him. And so he, 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 he understood that if he is going to protest the people, He's going to die just like Chor did. And so he doesn't see any purpose in stopping them. The, the, he feels that the best use that he can be is to try to postpone. Otherwise, they'll kill him and they'll just do it all anyway. So he tries to play along and postpone. Another thing he saw. This is beautiful. Wait for it. Omar. Let the the sirchon literally means the the, the spoiling, the blame. Let the blame hang on me and not on them. So this is an act of self-sacrifice on the part of Aharon. Remembering now from last year, I think it was the Chassam Soifer who says that Aharon was afraid that if they kill him, a prophet of God, that's an unforgivable sin. And so to save the Jewish people from committing this terrible sin of killing a prophet of God, he's willing to go along with this idolatry. Again, an act of spiritual self-sacrifice. But Rashi, Rashi's interpretation is that he that let the blame for this whole golden calf, let it go on me and not on them. Whereas if if I protest and they kill me, the blame will be upon them. 
So he's seeing a lot of things. Furthermore, he saw if they're going to build the altar, this one will bring a rock, pebble, this one will bring a stone. And it's going to be done very quickly. But if I build it, I'll take my time, take a coffee break, I'll walk around the block, and hopefully Moshe will come in the meantime. Of course, that didn't quite work out because it was built in a second through this magical way. And finally, Rashi points out, as I said, a festival for God, for, for Yud Kevavki, for Avaya. In other words, he had, of course, in, in, in intended to make a holiday for God, for heaven. But he was certain that Moshe would come and that they would, in fact, all serve God. A number of very interesting lessons in what we read so far before we go on. Number one, uh, very interesting that, well, not so interesting, but, but sad, but also a lesson in life. They, they saw kind of the world was, 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 they saw doomsday. It looked like the world was over. And sometimes in life, that happens to us as well. It seems like all hope is lost. And in fact, it's not true. The very next day, the best thing was going to happen. Moshe was going to come down with the, golden, with the, with the, with the, with the tablets. But to them, it seemed so real that Moshe was gone and that the world was basically in this very dark, horrible place and they had to do something drastic and extreme and really not kosher that, that was really unnecessary. They should have just waited one more day. And the second thing here is um, Aharon and his willingness to, to sacrifice himself which we know he's going to suffer for it. He will suffer for it. But he does this on behalf of the people. He's trying his best. Interesting also that Aaron, even though he sees that the people are, are, are willing to, to worship this golden calf, he still feels that if he could forestall them to the next day, they're all going to worship God together. That's very interesting. Because you might think well, the next day when they come down, when, when Moshe comes down, are they really going to be able to worship God? They just came from, from being in such a sinful state, ready to worship an idol. But Aaron sees through to the essence of the people that that whole story with wanting to worship a golden calf, that's not them. That's not who they really are. And so when the real story comes, the next day they're going to be able to dance right back into the truth, which is serving of God, which is also a challenge for us that it's hard for us to pivot when we see ourselves, view ourselves in a negative light because of some mistake that we've made, we're like, I'm going to go now uh, worship God. Look what I did yesterday. But you learn from Aaron that even if you were planning to worship a golden calf, the next day, or even that day, if God shows up, and God always shows up, you can serve God with joy. Verse 6, They woke up the next day early. And they brought up olot, all-consuming offerings, and they brought other kinds of sacrifices that you eat from. And the, the people sat and they drank and they got up to play, to make merry. Ooh, that's a loaded term. Litzachek. Oive, that's a loaded worm word. What is it? First of all, Rashi tells us they got up early. Who woke them up? Satan woke them up. Got them up early in order to sin. And what is this to make merry? It has all kinds of not good things. Adultery, murder, 
For here too, there was there was murder. Who was murdered? Chor. Chor was murdered. So this is another thing that we see with idolatry that it comes along with uh, with some other not such good stuff. Verse 7, God says to Moses, Lech reid, go and descend. We'll see from Rashi that that is more than just a geographic descent of altitude. Why? Because your nation, your people, they have become corrupt. They've acted corruptly. The people that you brought up from Egypt. Rashi says, God spoke harshly with Moses. Oof. Lechreid, go down, descend, descend from your high position. Your greatness that I gave you, I gave it to you for, because of the people, for their sake. And since they have messed up, you, you're going to descend too. Moshe was banished by a decree of the heavenly children. This seems very strong. Moshe, what did Moshe do? What did Moshe do? He's up in heaven. Like people, the people worship the golden calf, and now Moshe is getting yelled at harshly by God. It doesn't say yell, but it says that he spoke harshly. And he's saying he's got to be demoted, and he's being banished by a decree of the heavenly children. But I think this shows us this bond of Moshe and the people. They're one. They're one. And so if something happens to the people, if they descend, Moshe automatically is schlepped down with them. Verse 8. Saru maher, they have quickly turned away from the way that I commanded them, and they have made for themselves a molten calf, and they bowed down to it. And they sacrificed to it and they said, These are your gods, O Israel, that took you up from Egypt. God said to Moses, I have seen this people and this is a very stubborn people. Stiff-necked. Kshay oiref. Oiref is a neck. Kshay means stiff, hard. Kshay oiref. The back of the neck. The oref is particularly the back of the neck. They are turning their hardness of their backs, of their necks, towards those who rebuke them and they refuse to listen. Namely, Chur. And now leave me alone, says God, and let my anger destroy them. And I'll make you Moses. Ah, I'll make you a great nation. Now we know that God is setting up Moshe. <laughs> Don't panic. God is setting up Moshe to do his prayer. And how do we know this? From this word here, hanicholi, leave me alone, or leave me. As Rashi says, we don't find that Moshe had started praying yet. When do you say, leave me alone? When somebody is badgering you, when your kid is nudging you and saying, they want this or they want that, then you say, leave me alone. But if he hasn't started badgering you, he just walked into the room, you say, leave me alone just because you're expecting something. No, it must be that Moshe, that as Rashi says, Elakan posach loy pesach. God is opening up a, a door for him and letting him know that this matter is dependent upon him, that if he prays, lo I will not destroy them. So it's like saying, a kid walks in, don't ask me if you can have the ice cream. I didn't even know there was ice cream. I didn't ask. It's like, oh, there's ice cream. So this is what's happening. God is hinting to Moshe. 
you can save them. But God doesn't say it explicitly. And the reason I, that, for that, I think, is that this is part of it. That is part of Moshe's devotion to his people. If he wasn't as great a leader as he was, he wouldn't have caught the hint. He would have just said, okay, God, salute. But as we see with Abraham, Abraham doesn't say, okay, God, salute, when God says, I'm going to destroy the people of Sodom. Moshe does not say, okay, destroy them. He gets the hint, and he goes to battle for the Jewish people. And from verse 11, that begins the, the reading that we do whenever we have a fast day. So our next one is going to be a month from yesterday. 13th of Adar Sheni will be Tainit Esther, the fast of Esther. We're going to read this section. And it's the section where Moshe prays to God for forgiveness for the golden calf, because that's the archetypal rebellion of the Jewish people against the Jewish people, against God. And Moshe prays for them and gains forgiveness. And so we read about that each time we have a fast day from the Torah in the, in the, you know, with the congregation. So what happens? Moshe, Moshe pleads and he says, God, why are you getting angry at your people that you took out of the land of Egypt with great strength? What are you getting so, so, so jealous about? Is this idol like really a competition to you? Why should the Egyptians say that God took them out with bad intentions to kill them in the mountains and to destroy them upon the earth? Return from your wrath. And reconsider the evil for your people. When we read this in the congregation, the reason why I got... Um, read that in a different tune is because when we read this in the congregation the Torah reader stops right here in the words um, he brought them out to the mountains from the earth, from the face of the earth and the whole congregation together recites these words retreat from the heat of your anger and reconsider the evil for your people so it's like we're saying it again to God, to save us once again and, and to look away from our sins. Remember Abraham, Isaac, Israel, your servants, who to whom you promised and you said to them that I will multiply your seeds like the stars of the heavens and this land, the land of Israel, that God promised I will give to your descendants and they will inherit it forever. Remember, God, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember your promise. Says Rashi, remember Abraham, yes, it's true, they desecrated, they transgressed the Ten Commandments. But remember Abraham, who you tested with ten tests, and he still hasn't received his, his reward. Give it to him now. Ten for ten, let the ten tests of Abraham cancel out the desecration of the Ten Commandments that his descendants committed. Let's make it a wash. Lavram Yisrael. If, you, if they are, should be destroyed in fire, remember Abraham who gave himself up to be burnt alive in the fire of Kasdim. That was in the famous story with Nimrod who told him he must bow down to the idol and Abraham said no. And he said, if you don't bow down, you'll be thrown into the fire. And that story. If you're planning to kill them by beheading, remember Isaac who put out his neck at the Akedah ready to be killed. If you plan to exile them, because that's another way to destroy a people, is to send them into exile, except for the Jewish people, which that doesn't work. But if you exile a people, they disappear. 
according to some commentators, that's what the Ahasuerus thought Haman meant, or something like that. Esther was was trying to, to, to provide some kind of out for Ahasuerus and say he thought it was exile. He means really to kill them. But if so Moshe is saying to God, if you're planning to exile them, remember Jacob, who was exiled to Choron. And if they are not not saved in the merit of the of their forefathers, you're telling me I will make you and Moses into a great nation. That doesn't make any sense. Because if a chair, a throne of three legs, meaning a chair based on the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, cannot stand, cannot endure in, before you. When you get angry, certainly a chair with just a throne with just one leg, me, is certainly not going to last. So this is a bad idea, any way you look at it. Of course, God knows all this. And what do you know? <laughs> that was quick. God reconsiders on the evil that he, that he had said that he would do to his people. Moshe turns. He goes down from the mountain. The two tablets of testimony in his hand. These are tablets written from both sides. From both sides, they are written and they can be read from both sides, which is a miraculous thing. These luchot, these tablets are the work of God and the writing is written by God, engraved on the Luchot. I'm going to pause there <laughs> and, and uh, open it up to questions and comments. Wow, what a story. Yeah, it's a big story. I have a couple questions. What a story. Go ahead, Ken. You're a uh, Levite, so it's so I know that you have a special interest here since you, you weren't you and your ancestors were not involved in the, the golden calf, so I guess we do have to give you the, the honor to speak. Okay. First. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so the question I have 